God of love, we just invite you here. Thank you, Lord, for the sweetness of your presence, the power of your might. You are undefeated and undefeatable. You are glorious, but you are loving and you are personally loving. Come, Lord. Lord, I just ask for an anointing upon our thoughts and my words to speak your words in the name of Jesus. Amen. How are we doing this? Good? tell you that we had plenty of opportunity to be distracted and not bring this message today. We have been in such a busy whirlwind, uh, Connie and I, for the past uh, several weeks that uh, uh, it was easy to off-ramp today and uh, exclude it from the many different things that we had been in. Uh, This past week, I was in three different cities. I was traveling with our CEO. I've never done that before. Uh, That was nerve-wracking. Uh, My knees were shaking as I'm going and preparing for that flight and that trip. Um, It was just, you know, anyway, just busy. Uh, But the Lord has orchestrated this morning. Um, And he's, he's destined each one of you here today to hear his word that he has for you. There's amazing word. I mean, Pastor Ashley prophesied uh, breaking, what did you call it, Pastor Ashley, the stronghold of fear. Wow, that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. So, you know, the Holy Spirit is at work. And, man, it's not any one of us, right? The Lord distributes his gifts and callings across all of us to com- combine together to bring the wholeness and the fullness of his love to us. You know, uh, pastors uh, Jason and Michelle were sharing this morning about trusting and God is good. You know what? We trust in God to the degree that we know that he is good. Get to know him as good. Get to know him as even better, and you'll trust him even more. Um, Revelation, so, so this message today um, is really a testimony, right? The Lord has created a safe place. Relentless has been prophesied that we are a safe place. So this is a safe place. In Revelation twelve eleven, right, the, the word of God says, they conquered him completely, they conquered him, the devil, completely through the blood of the lamb and the powerful word of his testimony, and they triumphed because they did not love and cling to their own lives, even when faced with death. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, word of their testimony, and being willing to die to self. We have been commissioned. We, have, we are on a mission to transform our world, right? Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. We're on a mission to transform our world. We've been commissioned to do that, but transformation starts with transforming of self. Agreed? Would you agree? That we can transform our world to the degree that we are transformed ourselves. Amen? So in the Song of Songs, Jesus calls us lovely or lovable. So what is it that makes us so lovable to God? It can never be our performance, for we all have fallen short over and over again. Rather, 
our lovability, if that's a word, our loveliness is found in the image of Jesus and a willing spirit that longs for him. The love of the Father for his Son in all of its intensity is the same love the Father has for you. This is the ultimate statement of our worth. How much the Father loves you. Working? We're going to talk about strongholds. I'm going to talk a lot about this from uh, Dr. Ed Silvoso, right? So Ed Silvoso, right, you all know, preached on transformation. Um, This is all coming from his book called That None Should Perish. And he talks about the heart to reach a city starts with the concept, the mindset that none should perish. The Father's heart is that none should perish. But it starts with breaking the spiritual strongholds in ourselves. So a spiritual stronghold is a mindset impregnated with hopelessness that causes us to accept as unchangeable situations that we know are contrary to the will of God. Here's an example. I was offered, like I just said, I was offered this opportunity to uh, go on this trip to accompany the CEO to go meet a three-star general at some Air Force base in Oklahoma. And um, my first knee-jerk reaction was, hey, comfort zone is just say no and send someone else. But I felt a welling up of the spirit inside that I was to go. And I was scared. I was nervous. All this fear welled up in me. We're going to talk about unraveling this lie. A stronghold basically is a mindset built upon a lie. Let's start with the beginning. Strongholds are located in the mind. So 2 Corinthians 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Right? So we're talking about strongholds in this passage. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So check this out. Notice these three words. Can you see that? Yes, you can, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the feedback. I can't tell if I picked the right color, though, right, to highlight it out. Right? Right. Thank you. Arguments. Arguments, <laughs> opinions, and thoughts. So here we go. Oh, did I pass it? Sorry. Did you get that right at all? The, uh, arguments, opinions, and thought. Did that animate well? Did it go through? It's supposed to animate. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> okay. My point is, right, it's all to illustrate. So those of us who are visual, I'm a visual person. I got to see it in pictures, right? I'm not like Pastor Malik who can see it in words and get it. I need to see it in pictures. So the concept there, right, is, is that the strongholds are in the mind. Because here's what happens. For the mindset of the flesh is death. But the mindset controlled by the spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. The battle is in the mind for what we choose to believe. Strongholds are conclusions we've made about life that are out of alignment with God's word. Okay? I've been rejected, 
So I would reject others before they rejected me, right? That's a stronghold. That's an ungodly belief. Yet Jesus said to love our enemies. And my person rejected me is certainly not on my side, right? So I developed a belief system, a mindset that contradicted God's word. The Lord has been walking me through these dreams, and he's been showing me, bringing up memories. So, I, you know, I'm, I wake up at 3.30 in the morning, and the Lord reminds me of this time when I was walking down the street with my parents, my brother, and I must have been about seven years old. So the Lord brings this memory back to, me, uh, to mind. And um, we were walking down the road, and these these. These guys walking across the street, obviously strangers. I never met them, right? We're talking downtown Philadelphia. And they shouted these racial slurs across the street. And to a seven-year-old, I could feel the anger and the hatred and the rejection in those words, right? Those words were just dripping with those emotions. And so I, I, I got hurt by that. And so I developed a mindset that, you know what? Strangers are dangerous. Strangers are a source of rejection, right? And they're a source of pain. So what happens? Later in life, as I get older and we start, you know, I go to parties, I go sit in the corner. Why? Because the party's filled with strangers. And strangers are scary. Strangers are sources of pain and rejection, right? See how this mindset affects our choices, and limits us in, in moving forward with God. So the mindset on the flesh wars against the cross. Strongholds are located in the mind. Okay, number two. Strongholds are often made up of good thoughts, right? Not God thoughts. So here's Matthew 16. So Jesus is explaining to his disciples, hey, guys, I'm about to be killed. And Peter pulls him aside, and paraphrasing, obviously, right? So Peter pulls him aside and says, Lord, hey, Jesus, no, don't let this happen to you. I refuse to let this happen to you. And what does Jesus say in response? Get out of my way, you Satan. Now, can you imagine the Lord tell, calling me a Satan? Why does he say that? Because you are an offense to me because your thoughts are only filled with man's viewpoints and not with the ways of God. So check this out. Is Peter's thought process good? Is it good? Yeah. Because, hey, Jesus, I'm trying to prevent murder. Murder's a sin. I'm not going to let this happen. I'm not going to let your your ministry get abbreviated. All good thoughts, right? But as Jesus points out, those thoughts all are rooted in the devil. Those thoughts came and were sourced by the devil. See, the devil, when he lies, when we're young, he'll just flat out just send juicy, evil thoughts. But as we get older, he's got to change his strategy because we start to discern we just start to, we can easily detect evil thoughts a mile away, right? We get to that place. But what about good thoughts? And now good, I'm talking about the scale of, of good, better, best. Good thoughts on the scale. He sends us a good thought, a noble thought, a healthy thought. 
I'm not talking about good versus evil. I'm talking about good, good, better, best, right, on the gradations of quality. So he sends us a good thought. But if it originates in us, Jesus calls it of, of Satan. Right? Here's a thought. The Lord reminded me that there have been presidents. So the Lord is the one who places presidents in office, right? Would you all agree with that? The Lord is the one who places presidents in office. There are times that I have voted for a president that didn't get into office. I was operating on my good thoughts, not on God thoughts. God has a reason. He's got a bigger picture than we can see. How many of you have people that work for you, under you? Can I see just a couple? All right. Well, so you all know that um, there are times that you're, you're, you're explaining to your people, giving them you know, tasks, right, that um, they come back to you and, and they don't understand why. But you understand why. Because you see the bigger picture, right? Well, it's even multiplied that times a gazillion, infinity, right? And you get to God's level. There's always a bigger picture. What Peter lost sight of is, or didn't, never had sight of, because is that um, it's not murder when we volunteer for it, right? What Peter didn't realize is it wasn't murder, it was sacrifice. And he did not see the bigger picture. A good thought without God is still a dead thought. And notice that Jesus associates the devil's thoughts with man's viewpoints. We got to be careful about our opinions. Okay. Am I going? In Revelation, the beginning, Jesus addresses the seven churches, right? And here's a thought. When he addresses, so how many of you have read the book of Revelation? Okay, good. So, you know, you've all read that before. My tendency was to think the churches are physical churches, and each one of them has a different personality. Here's a different thought I heard a Bible scholar say is, what if we viewed that as the churches are spiritual churches, and they are phases of life we all go through. Now read those passages and relate every one of them to, to self and self-examination. All right. So anyway, so here we go. Write to the following to the congregation of Laodicea, for these are the words that amen, the faithful and true witness, ruler of God's creation. I know all that you do, and I know that you're neither frozen in apathy nor fervent with passion. By the way, this is the Passion Translation. How I wish you were either one or the other. Because you are neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm, I am about to spit you from my mouth. For you claim I am rich and getting richer. And here's the key. I don't need a thing. I don't need a thing. And Jesus responds, yet you are clueless. And he gives some characteristics evidencing our cluelessness. When we entertain good thoughts, we uh, become vulnerable to uh, losing touch with reality because we're working on man's viewpoint and not on God's viewpoint because we're on God's, man's viewpoint rather than God's perspective. Okay, so here's another memory. Again, another three o'clock in the morning, wake up and the Lord 
Hey, Lord, can you pick a different time? Um, I'd like to get some sleep. Um, the Lord reminded me of a bike accident. So now rewind. Now I'm about five years old. My dad had gotten me this special little bike. It was the, you know, back then the tricycles had, uh, or the bicycles with training wheels had the hard tires. And this had, you know, the you know air-filled tires. And anyway, um, we have this really steep hill in the neighborhood. And uh, the older kids, the, you know, I'm five. These guys are, you know, in their young teens. And they're saying, hey, let's race down the hill. Let's try to go on our bikes as fast as we can down this hill. So, you know, I'm, I'm going along with the crowd, and uh, the next thing I remember is I am walking with my hand on my head, crying, walking to the house where I know my mom is visiting when blood is streaming down my, ha- my face because I went over, they tell me, I went over the handlebars of my bike, and I smacked my head on the table. My mom took me to the hospital, and I got stitches. And, I, you know, back then, we weren't really savvy. I mean, we're talking 50 years ago, um, 52 years ago. And um, <laughs> we didn't re- re- really savvy on concussions. I probably had a, a, a concussion. I don't know. But the lesson that I learned from that day is to be afraid of pain. And the Lord showed me that that was such a root stronghold to this whole network of strongholds that the enemy had set up across my life. So, anyway, so no matter how old you are, and please don't feel embarrassed because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 57 and the Lord is just showing me this stuff for now. Um, anyway, strongholds, um, are, anyway, strongholds form in the mind and they're made up of good thoughts. So I'll share more about the unraveling of these strongholds in a second. Number three, strongholds often develop in the shadow of our strengths, right? So Laodicea, the church at Laodicea, do you remember what they said? I don't have any needs. I don't need anything, right? That's what set the church up for loss of touch with reality, cluelessness. Self-reliance is the opposite of faith. Right? When I was invited to go to, to, with the, to travel with the CEO and brief this three-star, you know, I was nervous as all get out. Right? But how many know that, boy, I was pressing into God. <laughs> Lord, show me. Lord, help me. Lord, reveal. Like, what message am I going to take? It's when we're outside of our comfort zone that faith grows. Faith does not grow inside our comfort zone. Right? Faith grows outside our comfort zone. Overconfidence and self-reliance are what led to Samson's capture, right? Ed Silvosa says, but confidence in self preempts the need to depend on God for guidance. For we are not on the lookout for God's direction because we feel we can handle it. I got this one. In essence, we have no early radar warning system to alert us to impending disaster. So my dialogue with the Lord, again, this was another 3 o'clock in the morning conversation. And, and so I said, so Lord, so then why did you give us strengths? If strengths are what the enemy uses to, to hide his strongholds, why did you give us strengths? And the Lord gave me this image of a fighter jet with an afterburner. If the fighter jet is aligned in the direction that the afterburner is ready to go, right? So we are the jet. The afterburner is the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's empowerment comes right behind us in alignment with the direction we're pointing, 
we will accelerate forward, right? So strengths aligned with God accelerate advancement. But if our strengths are out of alignment with God and they're slightly crooked, even slightly crooked, when those afterburners kick in, it's going to lead to a mishap, a crash. It's going to take us into a tailspin. <laughs> Strengths create a double mind. Uh, ooh. Okay. <laughs> hey, come on. These are standard built-in PowerPoint things. <laughs> this is not any whiz bangery. I was just trying to show... <laughs> okay. Strong, strongholds create a double mind, right? James says a double-minded person is unstable in all our ways. So when we develop these, right? Because remember I said strongholds are built on lies. When we build our house of cards on a lie, right? It's unstable because there's a lie deep in there. So why is it that someone who is anointed doesn't accept the responsibilities to, um, or doesn't take advantage of the options? Oh, is that why you had it up against there? I just don't want it pressing against the screen. Um, why is it that someone who's anointed for something doesn't accept the position to do that and walk in that anointing? Right? What's the fear? Why is it that a, a good, solid, mature Christian has these sudden outbursts of anger? Why, how is it that a good, solid Christian can fall into depression, right? Or, or be indecisive or struggle to make a decision or lack clarity in vision and goals for our life, right? I would say ask the Holy Spirit to dig, right? The deep is made for those who dig. Dig and ask the Holy Spirit, is there a stronghold there? So breaking down strongholds, number five, strongholds are often activated by painful trauma. And this is the key. And this is what I feel like the Lord wanted us to emphasize on today. Why does someone with the gift of mercy struggle to forgive someone? Why does someone with the gift of giving feel reluctant to give? Anytime God presents an opportunity to exercise these gifts, the devil neutralizes it by activating the trauma of the past. The apostle Peter refused. So when Jesus said, hey, Peter, you're going to deny knowing me. No, I'm not. I know me. I can do it. I believe in you. I will defend to you even to the end of my life. What Peter didn't know was the devil had a button in his life, a stronghold button. Let me go into this before I do that. So, um, science has proven that with every memory, there is an emotion stored. With every memory, there's an emotion stored. Okay? So, let's try this. Um, your grandparents' house, can you... Um, remember the smell of a, your grandmother, your grandparents cooking something. His heads are nodding. Yeah. My, I can, even to this day, I remember the smell of my, my grandmom 
making a piece of raisin bread in, in the toaster. And that aroma, cinnamon and raisin, just wafted through the air. I can, I can smell that smell, and I can feel that, that wonderful emotion. Right? So there's an emotion attached with every memory. So here's what happens. The enemy turns that traumatic memory with a traumatic emotion into a button. Here's another um, three o'clock in the morning, wake up, and the Lord brought back another memory. And this memory was, um, I, had, uh, I was first chair percussion in district band, so I made it up to all state band in Pennsylvania. And um, the, uh, you know, in percussion, you get different parts, and, and I was practicing this one part, and when I got to the time to, for the, 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 week leading up, the week of rehearsals leading up to the performance, I... Um, they cha- the director changed the part on me. And I didn't practice that part. I had no way to practice that part. So in the middle of rehearsal, when I w- wasn't able to play that part, he reamed me out in front of the whole, the whole, or- the whole band. And I felt like this. I felt ashamed. I felt embarrassed. I could feel every eye in the band on me at that moment in time. And so that was a traumatic memory. So what are the emotions associated with that? So fear of failure said, if you're not prepared, you will fail. Right? So that's a lie that I believed. Fear of rejection was another one. You'll be rejected when you're in front of people. Right? So I I, I started to pull back from accepting positions that would put me in front of people. And, And then the Lord revealed there was a fear of success. All-state band was the highest band that you could achieve to, right, in classical music in the state of Pennsylvania. I had gotten to the the top notch, and the lie was, when you get too successful, you will be exposed as a failure. So what the Lord was showing me was, all throughout my life, when I had opportunities to accept positions, the enemy would push the button, those fear hormones would start running through my body. The enemy created a push button, right, associated with that memory, and he would say, hey, this is just like the band memory, right? And after a while, he didn't even have to say that. He just pushed the button. So what happens with fear? When, when fear hormones start flowing through our body, what happens? Our digestive system shuts down so that more energy could be devoted to the muscles, Right? Our adrenaline increases, heart rate increases, so that our muscles are prepped and ready to respond, fight or flight. Here's another phenomenon. Our long-term memory is pushed back, and only our short-term memory. Right? So here's what's happening. Now I'm in a circumstance. I'm not really, my life is not really threatened, but the enemy knows how to manipulate me and just pushes the button. Bzz. Fear hormones are going through. All of a sudden, I can't. Right? I can't process, I can't function. And here's the other thing. Dr. Melody Hilton says, well, she'll be here shortly, right, this month. Dr. Melody Hilton always says, fear causes us to act in our opposite self. Whatever our identity is, fear causes us to act in the opposite direction of our true identity. So the enemy 
has this array of buttons in my life, all of them tied to a stronghold, all of them hiding behind a strength. All he had to say was, this is just like that old situation. So the enemy's job then is to get current circumstances correlated with past traumas. And once he did that, now he had another network and another button in my life. He's in the emotional push-button business. He's constantly seeking ways to associate circumstances, current circumstances with past buttons, and ways to create new buttons, right, by impregnating new lies. So, parents, it's the reason why it's so important that you make sure that when your kids go through a difficult event, that you help them process through and associate a healthy emotion with that memory, right? But the good news in all of this is, come on, Dustin, advance me. Yeah. That by his stripes, we are healed. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, one more. Yeah. So, here's the process. We've got this traumatic memory. Go ahead, one more. That's attached. That has attached to it this traumatic emotion. Right? So, we go through the process of detaching that old emotion. Go ahead, one more. And attaching a healed and whole emotion. Right? In Psalm 45, 8 says, the psalmist is describing Jesus and, and it writes, your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. Right? So we have learned today, science has learned today, that aloe is a healing Right? It was a healing plant. brings healing. So go ahead. One of the names for aloes is also the word for eagles. Like an eagle, we are called to fly above our wounds, free from the past as we walk in intimacy with him. Okay. So now, to the church at Laodicea. Here's the footnote in, in the uh, Passion Translation. The Aramaic can be translated, I have been standing at the door knocking. Jesus knocking on the door points us to the process of an ancient Jewish wedding invitation. In the days of Jesus, in the days when Jesus walked the earth, the groom and his father would come to the door of the bride-to-be, carrying the betrothal cup of wine, and the bounty price, not bounty, the, the, the betrothal price, right? The price, the, the what do you call it when? Uh, dowry. dowry, thank you, the dowry. So standing outside, they would knock on the door. If she fully opened the door, she was saying, yes, I will be your bride. Jesus and God the Father, in the same way, are knocking on the doors of our hearts inviting us to be the bride of Christ. Are you ready 
to open the door all the way. Are you ready? You want to do it? Okay, go ahead. So we're a church that believes in deliverance, right? We believe in it big time. And deliverance is a key part because deliverance removes the button pusher. On the other one, the other hand, healing removes the buttons. Because how many know we could go through life and start pushing our own buttons, right? Or somebody else around us could push those old buttons, right? So there's two parts to this, right? We got to get rid of the button pusher and we got to get rid of the buttons. Healing removes the buttons. Okay. So, uh, worship team, can you guys come up? Summarizing. Strongholds are located in the mind. Strongholds are often made up of good thoughts, right? Like Peter. Hey, no, Lord, I'm not going to let this happen to you. Strongholds often develop in the shadow of our strengths. Lord, why would you give us strengths? Strengths really work when they're aligned with God. Strongholds lead to double-mindedness, right, instability. And strongholds are often activated by painful trauma, powerful negative memories. So let's walk this through. So I'd like to create a, a safe place. I'd like to create a place for you to apply this. Take a moment, right, as the worship team plays, and ask the Holy Spirit to bring to memory something he feels it's time to deal with. Right? Then ask the Lord, penetrate through, press in through the lie we believed versus the truth. Release forgiveness. And then come down, and the prayer team, come on down, prayer team, prayer team will help you walk through the process of healing and removing those old powerful negative emotions and releasing with, with healthy emotions. So here's, here's one more thing. How many know that the devil is a counterfeit? Right? How many know that he could give us not necessarily traumatic negative emotions, he could give us false positive emotions as well, right? How about drugs, alcohol, pornography, sex, right? How about those? What does he do? He helps, teaches us how to attach a false pleasure emotion. That's false pleasure. Why? Because it never satisfies. We can never have enough drink. We can never have enough out-of-marriage sex. We can never have enough drugs. There's not enough drugs to satisfy. We always need more. We always have to go back for more because it's never satiated. That's part of the motion to pull away as well. Would you bring to our memory, would you bring up, Lord, the memory that you want us to deal with today? Lord, thank you for your presence, that you're here and you've created a safe place for us to do this. 
Lord, thank you for the power of your presence to keep back the enemy from pushing the buttons. Lord, today we want revelation, we want discernment, and we want freedom. Freedom.